are in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod, along with Bridget Quinn, author in the Grotto Pod. I like when you say that. We are back in the Grotto Pod. It's been... Uh, no, I was like, who months, are you? Years. It, I'm so hot already. It's warm already in the grotto pod. It's not that warm outside, but I'm, it's... I know. I'm wearing long sleeves. Mm, this is terrible. This is going to suck. I did a no, sm- it's not going to suck. I did a smart move. What did you do? As you can see, I'm clad in long pants, but oh. I packed some shorts for the walk home. Oh, that is very smart. Why do not you put them on before you came in here? I figured I'd Not that right. smart. I wanted to look professional for our guest. Oh, yes. That's a good idea. Who today is Stephanie Rosenbaum Klassen. Klassen? Yes. Klassen? We'll ask. Okay. Uh, uh, because I actually know her better as Stephanie Rosenbaum. She's only been married for a couple of years, right? Yeah. And it was oh, well. notable enough that it made the uh, New York Times. I know. And not well. just as an announcement. No, it was like a full story and a an whole awesome story. photograph of City Hall. Awesome photograph of City Hall. Oh, fun fact, Larry. Yeah, fun fact is that Should I forgot I to put my phone on. Uh, oh, I didn't even bring my phone. Someone from Amana, Iowa is calling me. I'll bet it's not really a phone call that I, I want to answer. I think you don't need to answer. Unless, yeah. but what if it's the Iowa Writers Workshop asking you to come there? <laughs> Just randomly. <laughs> it could happen. Whenever I see a New York number, I always want to answer because like, maybe it's a publisher. It could happen. It, it happened wouldn't, once. In my it case, did happen once. It wouldn't not be. A publisher, but if but it a were, magazine. If it were Stephanie, it could be a publisher because she has published at least – Five books. Oh, I was going to tell you a fun fact about her. Fun fact first. Okay. She married a guy from Glasgow, Montana, which is a very small town where my mother is from. That is insane. And he, in the pictures, looks a little bit like Bob Odenkirk. Did you do your homework? I didn't. (sighs) I didn't Google, but I asked my husband who it was, and he told me he was a TV person. Did he tell you in sort of a disparaging fashion? No. Oh, well, good for him. He's an actor. Good, good. That's kind of on TV. Actor. Just actor. Yeah, that's all he told me. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. Here are – so Stephanie writes uh, – how would you describe the books that Stephanie writes? This latest one – let me ask you a question then just keep okay. talking. Okay. Uh, the latest one is a cookbook called The Little Taste of San Francisco, Recipes for Classic Dishes. Oh, my God. It's so cute. I love it. It really is a gorgeous little book. And um, we'll get into this, though, more when she gets here. But she's written that. Uh, she's written – About Donuts. Donuts, uh, cocktails. Oh, cocktails, yeah. She wrote The Anti-Bride Guide, Tying the Knot Outside the Box. <laughs> I wonder if she could talk about that. Did she do it like that? Oh, definitely. Because City Didn't Hall? did she? Or? City Hall and yeah, a mad, yeah. sort of a Mad Men theme. Oh, I, I know. I read they about were, like, that in the New York so Times. so good. You guys, you really have to look up that New York Times article. It's so good. It could be a, a whole movie. She's sort of a connoisseur, isn't she, of I, stuff? Yeah, but you know what I like about her so much is that um, Stephanie is one of those people who's really into food and knows a lot about food without being weird or precious about it. Mm-hmm. Like, she just likes it. Kind of like Rachel. Like, yeah. She's like that, too. Yeah. Um, but, and, but Stephanie, I guess... Levin, in case anyone's wondering. Uh, former two weeks ago guest. Yeah, right. Um, Stephanie seems to really have an eye for things. Yes. You know, for details and for style and, and fashion. Yeah. And food fashion. But without, and same with all those things, without it being like this fussy, weird thing, it's like right. what you really want. It's a specific point of view. Right. And it's very American. It's very American. I would say it's very Californian, even though I don't believe she is a native Californian. She is not a native Californian. Yes. I believe she is either a New Yorker or a New Jerseyan. She's from the East Coast. That's all I know. She went to Princeton. Oh, God. And majored in English. We're such losers. Yes. You and I. Follows it up by going to UC Santa Cruz yeah. and getting a degree in ecological horticulture. Right. She serves two masters. What are those? Uh, writing and food. Oh, I feel like those are connected. That's Seems why like I we've have had, to look at the grotto. Otherwise this is I not the do. first nor the second food nope. writer we've had in here. 
Not even close. No, we've had a lot of food people in here. Which just really speaks more to you because you like food more than I do. I know. You're weird. Okay. I have to tell everybody this. Larry never eats. No, I eat. It's in secret. It's shameful. It's so (laughs) shameful. What? I'm always like, oh, I I can't go do that. I have to eat something first. Well, okay. So the reason why you don't think I eat is because I I have a lot of experience. I've recorded 300, no, something like 250 podcasts. And I've learned that I don't like to record on a full stomach. Oh, I like I just to like wait. To, I like to not be hungry. Also, I get really hypoglycemic y. So you might pass out from something get, other than heat. You think I talk fast now and being all crazy? <laughs> I get really crazy. You guys, I drove here from Petaluma and like screamed into the grotto and was insane. <laughs> that, Larry, had, Larry had to walk away. It's a story for another time. But <laughs> what is the story for this time is. A writing challenge you're embarking on oh, starting tomorrow. Yes, I want to talk about that because uh, what day is today? The 14th, June 14th. Yes. Tomorrow, June 15th, it'll be a little late, right? It's my hour to be over, but uh, this is going to be my accountability. I'm going to tell everybody right now that I am doing Jamie Attenberg's uh, A Thousand Words of Summer Challenge, oh. which is from uh, June 15th to the 30th. A thousand words a day. That's 15, it. Just weeks. for 15 days. Yeah. So like, it's like you, hardcore, but it's only for 15 days. And what is the... Uh, Hashtag thousand words of summer. What is there? Is there a community aspect to this? Or you're just, she was just on Twitter one day and said, you know what, you guys, I'm freaking out. I'm behind or whatever. And I'm just decided that on June 15th, I'm going to start writing a thousand words a day until June 30th. Who's with me? Okay. And all these people piled on. I think like... Maybe hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I was one of them. Okay. And uh, we kind of just signed up on a little list. Mm-hmm. So she sent out an email last week. She said she's only going to send out a couple of emails just to say, let's do this Boom. thing. Let's do it. She's going to destroy the list Yeah. Uh, after June 30th, which is very high-minded because that would be gold in some ways, right? Yeah. To have all these writers. Oh, that's true. That know? is true. Um, and I'm just excited because, Larry, I, I have moved, as you know, yes. last week. Yes. And I am super behind and yes. having a freak out. Yes. So I got to get my SHIT and, together. And aren't you somewhere next week? Not here? Uh, yes, I'm on a writing retreat. Okay. So that'll at make it my easy. Agent's house. <laughs> that'll make it easy to do the <laughs> a thousand words a day. Right. Except I have to take my daughter to camp, go to the writing retreat at my agent's house, pick my daughter up from camp. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we need to go get Stephanie. Okay, let's do it. But I'm glad you got that out, and we're going to hold yep. you to it. Because okay, we yes. will not be recording next week, but no. we will be back the week after so when this is report. all over, and we'll be able to find out if you kept it up. I feel like you could easily do it. I hope I can do it. I'm just going to do it. I could write a thousand. I could write 5,000 words a day and then yeah. no words for a week and then 5,000 words for a day and then no words for a month. But, you know, um, yeah, I, the reason my agent is up for this challenge mm-hmm. um, and besides the fact that she's just incredibly nice and her home is near my daughter's camp is that um, she had told me that I need to just draft the shit out of this thing and stop being so anal mm. and so yeah. um, this is a good way to just jump start and get back on track with the book good call okay good call all right let's go it. get let's Stephanie go okay all right Here we go. We are back, and I have to say things have livened up in the Grotto Pod. <laughs> Considerably. Considerably. Welcome to you, Stephanie. You have been described as part sophisticated woman, part 50s housewife <laughs> with a dash of pinup girl. Oh, my God. That's perfect. I just met I you, but I couldn't describe it better, and thus concludes my notes. <laughs> that 
Where did you get that? Did I get that out of the New York Times story? Yes, uh, I, my husband and I were lucky enough to be a, a vows couple, and um, and we were we were described by that by a, a woman who knows me, an old friend who Molly, who knows me really really well. <laughs> it's so perfect. I remember reading that. We, we've already talked a little bit about this, about the awesome marriage that should be a movie. I don't understand why it's not. It still could be. Um, I remember reading that in the Times when it came out and being like, wow. oh, God, I know her. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, the way that happened was um, I had a good friend who was a writer for the Times. She was looking for couples. And I said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm getting married. People think it was because, you know, I'm really fabulous. And that's true. But mostly it was because she wanted a byline. And, you know. I think you just gave people a peek behind the curtain that they I may know. not know about. I did. How do you find stories? You ask your friends, friends. first. Oh, for Absolutely. sure. But you had a story. Could you could you just fill us in? I mean, sure. it, it wasn't that you were just anybody getting married. There's a little story there. Well, you know, I've been a longtime food writer. Um, well, I was a restaurant critic in San Francisco for a long time and did, do have written a lot of cookbooks and have written about food and this, the world of San Francisco and its many, you know, facets uh, for a long time. And, of course, as a writer, you know, sometimes you're always looking for another gig. And so something I was doing to use all that knowledge was I was working for a company called Edible Excursions that runs food tours. Uh, all that sounds fun. Yeah, all was that San fun? Francisco. It was really fun uh, because all their tour guides were people who were in the food world. They were chefs or they were... Um, you know, writers, they were, they did all kinds of different real things. Real food people. Real food people. Yeah. So it wasn't just sort of the, you know, people with the little flag. Um, and so, <laughs> Power hats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not bad, too. No, I like that. No, no, we love them. Everyone's working hard. But anyway, so uh, I was giving food tours in the Mission, where I've lived for a long time. And um, there was a handsome man on my food tour. Can I ask oh, you something? Sure. Does he look as much like Bob Odenkirk in real life as in those pictures? Yes, in fact, he—that is a running joke that oh he. Oh my gosh! Came, Larry said that right away. That he came in the fourth, you know, fourth place in the Bob Odenkirk uh, <laughs> lookalike look contest. contest. So yes, he he actually okay, really, good. really does. And fun fact, I have shared that he is from Glasgow, Montana, which is a not very large town that my mother is from. And yeah, his his dad was the local doctor, and so pretty much like everybody of a certain generation, you know, Knows delivered him. by his dad. And you and I also have a connection that we summer on Flathead Lake. Yes, exactly. We will be actually going back to Big Fork uh, for in a middle of July. You summer, fantastic. Well, summer is a verb. Yes. Yes. Never summer where you winter. Interesting. <laughs> that sounds very East Coasty. Very, very waspy. <laughs> no, it's very waspy. Very waspy. I don't think there's any wasps in this room. Mm, I can think no. of two who aren't wasps. No, no, I don't think I am as well. No. Oh, no. no Catholic. No, no, no. No, no. Jewish. No. So. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So uh, carry on. I, I derailed the conversation. <laughs> so he was on my food tour. I found out that he was a winemaker. Uh, Ooh, he makes, good choice. Now makes beautiful Pinot up in Sonoma County. And... Um, I first thought when he said he was in wine, I thought, oh, he probably does, you know, sales or something like that. And then I found out he really is a, a winemaker, really makes this stuff. And I was instantly <gasps> intrigued, <laughs> smitten, and, uh, you know, did, did the glance down to the left hand. I was like, okay, no way <laughs> You know, that's a good thing. And um, then didn't hear from him. And then uh, finally, um, a friend a of mine, a couple, a couple weeks later, a friend of mine, we, I was house-sitting. We were in a hot tub. We were hanging out, you know, drinking <laughs> drinking probably cheap wine and, and, you know, talking girl talk. And she was like, oh, my God, you met this cute guy. Call him, call him, call him. So that night I emailed him, and we met up that next week. And oh, my gosh. I took him to Zuni. Oh, Zuni. That's why you had your wedding reception. Why we had our wedding reception there. So we went there in the afternoon, you know, to sit in that front bar. Everyone needs to know that Zuni Cafe is a an institution in San Francisco. Yes, it has been around for, God, more than 20 years. And I feel like it almost invented a type of cuisine in San Francisco Absolutely. or a type of restaurant in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And you, uh, and that's what, 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 roasted chicken? No, we were just having having bar snacks. So he ordered champagne, then he ordered oysters, and I thought this is a date. Mm. Oh, totally yeah. oysters. Chocolate and, after that. Uh, then you know, we know yeah yeah, and then um, he drove me home to Oakland, which was another huge plus. Drove but, me all the way home. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're living in Oakland. I was at this living time. in Oakland okay. at the time, and he drove me all the way home, and then uh, that was that. And Aww. a year later, we were in City Hall getting married in beautiful San Francisco City Hall and then going to lunch at Sydney. And now you live in the North Bay. So now I live in the North Bay. It's a little hard to actually make wine in San Francisco. Yes. So or Oakland, I'm probably. sure someone, someone's yes. probably trying so as long, we speak. So long, time resident of this. Of San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah, mostly. I moved briefly to Oakland right. and I was one of those few people that couldn't wait to come back. This so has nothing to do with writing, but how is it living in the North Bay? Yeah, right? it's actually it. lovely. Oh, so good to hear. It's really relaxing. It's really nice. Um, How far out are you? We're just right in, actually, we're in downtown Petaluma. Oh, Petaluma. Now, so, and actually. BQ I, could have driven you in. I know. I know. That was why, actually why, funny. Why I didn't, didn't we think I of didn't that? know you were going to be there. I would have gotten I was at the you. Petaluma DMV, everyone. It's Don't a, ask. Yesterday. Oh, that's great. That's where, all, that's where all the cool people hang out. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. But um, actually, I am, you know, longtime San Franciscan, so I am a public transit person. Mm. I, you know, don't make me give you directions for driving because that's a bad idea. But so I can good find you on every, I can find you, you know, how to get places on Muni, on the ferry, on, you know. So Cal you took public transportation do, here? Yeah, so. And you brought all this with you? Yeah. Perhaps we should describe what Stephanie yeah, walked into the Grotto Pod. This with. is a first in the Grotto Pod. We have had in the Grotto Pod in the past people in overalls. Yes. Richard Brodigan looking people. Yeah. Uh, we have never had someone who brought a cocktail shaker into the Grotto in Pod. A, on a golden tray, on a golden platter. If we had an Instagram, we would post pictures, but <laughs> no, I think I instead we'll put them on Twitter. In action right now. Yeah, in action. Stephanie is so, I'm Stephanie, tell us what you're like, making oh, here. Hold on, my phone is working. Oh, my oh, God. I know. You guys keep not. talking while Okay, so uh, the latest book that I've written is called A Little Taste of San Francisco, and it is just what it sounds like. It is a small book, very cute, very giftable, we like to say. Very um, cute. And it's full of recipes that are native, classic, contemporary, but have to do with San Francisco and things that people associate with San Francisco and all its facets and flavors. Um, so like a cocktail of, shaker. Like a cocktail shaker because, you know, uh, San Franciscans love their cocktails for sure. Um, and so one of the uh, drinks that's really iconic to San Francisco, if you know a little bit about San Francisco history, is uh, the Pisco. Pisco punch or Pisco sour. Um, I thought that was a South American thing. It is, but... Imagine all those ships that were coming oh, into right, San coming Francisco around. were coming around the, the bottom of South Cape, America. Cape something. Whatever it is. At any Cape rate, Horn. Isn't, is it Cape Horn? I was yeah. thinking that might be Africa. Around the Horn. Okay. And and so um, they one of the places they would stop was a port called Pisco, which was in oh. Peru. And um, I can't remember if it's Chile or Peru. We don't fact check. Okay. No, we don't. We we can, we can fact check. check. We can use the book Fortunately, to Fortunately, Stephanie check. has her book with her, and she's rightly referring copies. to it as one does. Peruvian. Sorry about it's that. It's Peruvian. Sorry, so like... you were right the first time. <laughs> um, yes, I was. So anyway, um, so it was a, a place in Peru, and it was called Pisco, and they made a not very good white wine. Mm. And they, you know, of course, San Francisco had a thirst, a lot of sailors, um, <laughs> a lot of miners. That's still happening. And, and people said, you know, uh, no, nah, maybe we just don't want your kind of not very good white wine. Um, but then they realized if they distilled it, you get a lot more bang for your buck. And also a distilled spirit is a lot less fragile mm. than wine. 
doesn't matter. You can you throw a distilled spirit in a barrel, hot, cold, jump it around, nothing happens to it, as opposed to wine, which is, mm-hmm. you know, careful. Hold. Fix that. I know. <laughs> okay. Done. Okay. Uh, so, so they started uh, piling up barrels of Pisco into the ships as they were replenishing their food and I water. Did not and then they came in and you were like, hey, we got brandy, you know, because it's a distilled spirit made from brandy. I mean, white wine, still it becomes brandy. Um, and so Pisco was very popular in San Francisco um, because it was it was cheap and easy to get. And so Jack London drank it. Mark Twain drank it. Oh. it was a, there was a place called the Bank Exchange, which was a bar that was a tavern that was very popular. And they pretty much uh, invented the Pisco Punch, which also includes pineapple. I know. I was going to say, so it helps with scurvy. Yes. So it absolutely helps with scurvy. <laughs> so what all is in it and how, how are you making it here? So it has a Pisco, which is a clear, you know, rather fiery spirit. I'm, oh, my you know, goodness. Very San Francisco style. I was going to say, in let, a little let mason the record jar. show in a, in a mason jar. Yeah. I am carrying it in a mason jar because I didn't want to carry an entire bottle as I was uh, coming down on the bus. I don't think you could get that through security <laughs> in an airport. No, probably not. So I have a mason jar here of Pisco. Um and it has something called pineapple gum syrup, which is, oh, you yeah. could make your own. You could soak pineapple in a rich sugar syrup, but you could also, this is a woman, uh, Jennifer Collio, who started a company called Small Hand Foods mm-hmm. that makes amazing mixers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has gum Arabic, uh, which kind of gives it a little bit of a smooth mouthfeel. And it's sort of a little bit of a secret trick. Hmm. To give a real smoothness, which is nice, especially when you have a really high-proof spirit. Right. Um, so this is a mixture of pineapple and sugar and a little bit of gum arabic. So this goes in. And then uh, fresh lemon juice, including lemons from my friend's backyard tree. Which one gets when they live in Petaluma? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or even San Francisco. I, I have a lemon tree. Yeah. Are you and really? then a little bit of uh, bitters. Top bitters there on the top there. This is so beautiful. <clears throat> now... <laughs> I, I want to talk – let's just go ahead and talk about the new book while you're finishing that up because the thing that no, I noticed – well, there's a bunch of stuff I noticed about the book. First of all, the way it looks. Oh, my goodness. No, it's okay. It's just – You almost had first-time spillage in the grotto <laughs> No, spillage. No, no, no. That was just the um, – The cover of this book reminds me of books I used to read when I was a little me kid. Too. Mm-hmm. There was one particular <clears throat> called This is New York that yes, I used to read. Yes, with the dog and everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's, I, it I, looks I, a lot like that. We'll, we'll put a picture of this up on the Twitter. Of course. So you can see what we're talking about. But it's very – I hate to use the word retro. It does have a cute retro look. It has a sure. cute retro look. But, but it's so sweet. I love it. <clears throat> but it also kind of sends out a, a, a shot over the bow that this book is going to include historic context. Yes. Which is really fun. Actually, that's one of the things I liked the most about it was reading the little story. Absolutely. And I think it's a really important part of the book. So when you were sort of conceptualizing this, did that spring forth fully yes. formed? Uh, well, absolutely. We knew we wanted to do a book that included San Francisco history because I think that's I think it's fascinating. We have a Me fascinating, too. rich, deep city with all that is made up of all different cultures coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely wanted to get into some of the San Francisco history. And I also wanted to make it multicultural. I, you know, there's a few dishes that everybody knows and loves. And, you know, you could have the Chipino and you can have the Joe's Special or the Hangtown Fry. But I was like, you know, that's the thing that, or the Celery Victor or the Green Goddess dressing. But I was like, you know, some of that is old-fashioned and, and no, no one, one eats, uses it anymore. No one yeah. really mm-hmm. eats Celery Victor yeah. anymore. Um, but I was like, but everybody eats, you know, carnitas and shrimp dumplings yeah. and you garlic, know, fries. garlic fries. And, <laughs> and like, banh mi 
sandwiches. Bon mi oh, sandwiches. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I unfortunately didn't have, uh, I really wanted to get some Japanese things in there, and I didn't, but, you know, that was in the original. There was going to be something with matcha. There was, you know, there was yeah. going to be, like, I wanted to make it, I'm sad there isn't chicken adobo in there. I wanted a Filipino oh, presence. You know, like, there. Yeah. I, I could have written, you know, yeah. 100 recipes, but I wanted to make it contemporary in its own way, too, and be like, this is things that we love that are old school, but also sort of how we eat now. So I have lived, I, I learned a lot from this book about San Francisco history, but I've also lived in San Francisco for almost, or, no, for over 21 years, mm-hmm. and I've been pronouncing Chipino incorrectly this whole time. Oh, well, it's the Italian thing. The, uh, I yeah. called it Chiopino. Chiopino. Yeah. You is. pronounced every Chupino. letter. Chipino. Chipino. Yeah. So I liked having that. have the I and the O together with the C, yeah. I did not know this, but now I do. Ooh, and, and I won't embarrass you're... myself anymore. So I like that. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about the process you went through to choose which dishes. You sort of hinted at that. Right. Did you start out with a list of like 4,000? Yes. yes, I did start out with a really long list of things that I associate with San Francisco, things that are sort of classic Things that I thought people would actually want to eat and make. That was I the part. Didn't make. want to just yeah. make things that was yeah. more historical. I don't know anybody that eats Hangtown Fry, frankly. I, I don't even like, know what that is. What is Hangtown, Hangtown Fry? Hangtown Fry, it has one of those. It's one of those dishes with the apocryphal story. You're like, yeah. I have no idea if this is true <laughs> yeah. or not. But supposedly Placerville up in the gold, was gold country was Hangtown. You know, its own brand of rough That's justice. Oh, um, hanging among, like that. Among the, yeah. among the yeah. miners. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, judge and jury. Yeah. You're rolling into Hangtown. You're watching your piece of cues. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so the idea was that, okay, so you did something. You looked at somebody cross-eyed. You know, now you now you know, you're going to meet, meet your maker. So they'd say, well, what do you want? Bridget, what do you want for your last meal? Oh. And you would pick out, you'd say, well, I want oysters. That and, was just going to say oysters. And yeah. you said oysters. Oh, my oysters gosh. And, um, Steak. Oysters and bacon and and eggs because eggs yeah. were kind of hard to get. Oh. And you would you would ask for the the most expensive, hardest to get things. Oh, right, because you could wait. So that it would wait because it had to like come up on a mule. And oh, I mean, so, oysters coming up on a mule might kill you. Yeah, so I don't know that. See, that's why this this whole apocryphal yeah. story okay. make a lot of sense to me. But, yeah. <laughs> so that so it's it's uh it's oysters. Usually they're fried. It's oysters and uh, bacon and eggs, kind of in an omelet. Oh, and sounds so good. You actually, still see it in sometimes on menus, but it's one of those things. Sounds delicious. Everyone's heard of, but I haven't known. I I'd heard the term, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Same. But eat, but some things like garlic fries, I am impressed that you have made them and that people can make them. Oh, yeah, because, well, okay, so one of the things with these, also what limited some of the re- the recipes, it's a very small book. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I can only make recipes be two pages. Right. You know, one mm. side, right, one right, side. right. That's great so, for me. That's my favorite right. kind of recipe. So they had to be simple. They had to be straightforward that. and simple. So there was a lot of recipes for things like pho and ramen. And right. But I was like... Ah, oh, but you got to make the broth, and you got to do the noodles, and you got to yeah. do. I was like, I just can't yeah, put so it on this, you know, sourdough bread. Well, the making the sourdough starter takes a week, you know, and right. Um, you know, I was like Chad Roberts. You know, Robertson has written that whole Tartine book, which is pretty much an entire book about how to make sourdough how to make bread. A bread. Like, <laughs> I can't do it in one page. <laughs> right. So, um, so I had to come up with simple things. So, like the. Uh, you know, if you're really making French fries at home, you know, you do this double frying thing and right. all this stuff. I was like, no, you got a big bag of those, you know, pre-made French fries. And yeah. you just... Oh, I obviously didn't read it them. carefully because so I, I like, saw it and I thought, oh, God, no, I it's, it's like it, it starts with the pre-made French fries. Also, I work I like three thought, blocks from the from AT&T Park, so why not just run over there? Yeah. But you go, start, like just, you, you go start to finish on the It's It's, though. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, you don't say was, buy oatmeal cookies. No, I don't say buy oatmeal cookies because you could. But yeah. hey, everybody knows how to make an oatmeal. Does cookie. everyone know what it's 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 it is? That was hard to say actually. It is hard to say. That is a it's a Bay Area because they're made in San Bruno, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Bay Area tradition. It's an it's a dessert. It's two oatmeal cookies with a bunch of ice cream in the middle, Yummy. dipped in chocolate. Dipped in chocolate. So they come good. in all kinds of. Offbeat flavors. Seasonal flavors sometimes. Yeah, mint and cappuccino. There's and pumpkin. Now there's pumpkin. I like that. People green. don't like that. Oh, I like the pumpkin. I mean, too. I love it. They I do like green that. tea. They do that strawberry. That really good. They do some different flavors. But it's, it, it is everything, you guys. Playland at the Beach, which oh, was... Did? Yes, that's mm-hmm. how it got started, because which was a big amusement park right. out on Ocean Beach um, that finally went away in the now 70s. Now really ugly condos. Now really ugly condos. It's bad, <clears> but it was a fantastic, huge... Um, amusement park that everybody used to go to and that was it started a little you know what would have been the equivalent of a food truck it was a little yeah you know bending stand and then it became a, a it's you know san francisco is such a weird place because on the one hand i feel like we fetishize our past on the other hand we got no problem bulldozing it you know? i was walking down valencia street the other day yeah. where i used to live i used to oh, live right man. above where modern times books used to be mm-hmm. and there was an entire street that was these cavernist cement condos and i went yeah wait what used to be on this street and i i, I, I literally couldn't remember i worked at valencia and 14th mm-hmm. for years and i was just on valencia the other day and it was completely different yeah completely different it you would not know you were in the same place no so it, it's it so uh, you could constantly I mean thank god we have the internet because i'm like what was the name of that place that had pixie piss right <laughs> dr bombay's i was like you know sometimes oh, you're walking bombay's. around you just you're you're remembering something and right yeah and yet you know then there's things like tattish grill which just keeps you know but even or things Zuni. or Zuni. even things like the it's it you know mm-hmm. that has endured yeah but other things haven't do you ever ask yourself why there's a bar on 16th and Bryant called the Double Play? No, why? Because there's a ballpark across the street from it. Oh, there used to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Woodward's Gardens, which I think is not there anymore, but used to be kind of under the freeway. Yeah, yeah, because and there because was an there amusement was a, park. There was a whole amusement park called Woodward's Gardens oh, that was right there. Wow. And that was kind of the and one. Some things have changed for the better, though. <laughs> like Chrissy Field. Yes. Sure. Yes. The fact that Chrissy Field is now not a, not an air like an airstrip. Right. That it's this I love that. place. Yeah. But how did you decide, you know, what, what, what drove the choices then? Was it the dishes themselves or the history of the dishes? Both, really. Um, there were just some really great stories that I really wanted, like I wanted to, definitely wanted to put in the Pisco story. Mm. I know, I love that. Sometimes that's I've a heard really it. interesting story. Um, I love morning buns. I think they're amazing. Mm. And I think they're a very sort of San Francisco locals thing that people that people love. Um, and so I really wanted to put in that. And that was the hardest recipe to test because it's a croissanto, which is tricky. Mm-hmm. And I had to figure out a, a way to streamline it um, and get it mm. onto two pages. And so my poor husband had to eat a lot of morning buns to the point where he was like, I don't feel sorry for him. With the morning buns. <laughs> no, I know. He got no Not at all. Whatsoever. But even things like, I will never make crab louis. But I am going to go to Swan's Oyster Depot mm-hmm. and have it. Like, I liked finding out Absolutely. about places. So that's, yeah, I didn't want it to be all restaurants. Right. Um, but definitely there's some wonderful, really iconic restaurants. Well, that you, have the, you have the secret recipe for rice aroma, too. <coughs> and that yes. was awesome. I that love is that. Awesome. Yes, because that actually really has a great San Francisco story. I had no idea. That was an amazing story, which there's the full story. It's actually on NPR, and it's really worth listening to. But it was a... a guy who worked for the Golden Grain Macaroni Company, which is a pasta company that's still around, was then in North Beach. And he and his wife lived with a woman who was an Armenian refugee. And she would cook for them and make what she called pilaf, which was toasted noodles mixed with rice and, you know, chicken broth and cooked together. And that became their favorite dish. And then he eventually took the concept to... 
to the company, and they developed it into the San Francisco rice, treat, rice aroni, and then they took it to. Um, <laughs> Oh, a big advertising company in um, McCann Erickson took it to them in New York. And Is that who said, came up with the San Francisco with the slogan? And they came up with the whole. If as a child slogan. you had asked me, San Francisco, what's the first thing that came to mind? I would have said and Rice Aroni. Rice for sure. Totally. Well, and you know what the funny backstory is with that was I hadn't really thought about it because you just think of, often I think people think it's just some sort of. Of course. Yeah. Thing. But my husband, Tom from Montana, mm-hmm. his mother used to make from scratch. Rice aroni. There are Armenians in Montana. So he uh, he said when the first time I said I'm going to write the San Francisco cookbook, he said, "Well, they're going to put rice aroni in it, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." Uh, no, he's like, well, no, you're, you're going to use my mom's recipe for sure. No way. Also, that's your mother-in-law's so it's recipe? it's kind of my mother-in-law's recipe. I love that. Based, based on, oh, I have to tell know. my mom that. I'm going to have yeah. to get her this recipe. <laughs> I'll get her the book. Let's back up. Because um, I'm curious about... Yeah, I think I mean, you can reach over there. I am drinking this. I'll Pisco Punch up a little bit. I am handing Pisco a <laughs> martini glass full of Pisco Punch across the way mm. to Larry, who is now How festive to- do oh, I look now? <laughs> Wait, I need to take a picture. I'm sorry. It's going to take a second. You can still and take Bridget a drink. And is having a beautiful still- backyard, a backyard lemonade, which yes. is another... Because when I moved to San Francisco, um, I, the first thing I saw were lemon trees, and I couldn't believe that they I know, were lemon amazing, trees. I know, amazing, right? So exotic. I remember that we moved to California. Lemon trees. Um, so I do want to back up, though, and talk about the devolution of you as a writer and as – I don't want to say a foodie because I hate no, that No, not a foodie. A food person is. who writes about food. person who writes about food. <laughs> um, and I really want to take – hold on for a moment. <laughs> mm. okay. Yeah. Lovely. It's so beautiful. You look so elegant. <laughs> Which I is do a feel first. like that makes you look elegant. Yes, absolutely. Holding a martini the, glass. Holding the glass for yeah. sure. It would help if I was wearing a tuxedo, too. It would help. You'd be very hot. You would die, but actually. But, you know, you, no one knows. You could oh, be. That's true. You just slander all that. You, you're here. We are in a podcast. We're mm-hmm. all very oh, well dressed right I know. now. We look fantastic. <laughs> so you're from the East Coast? Yes, New Jersey originally. And I know you have a degree in English. Yes. So I'm thinking that was that came first. Or did they go together? You know, they really went together. Um, I had always, food was just always a big thing in my house. My mom was a great cook. My dad loves restaurants. We lived close to New York City. So going into New York City for everything from, you know, bagels and lox to, well, I I wanted mean, to ask know, Chinese you. food to, fa- you know, <laughs> fancy so food fun. was frequent. Let me ask you this, and I may or may not have a vested interest in the answer. <laughs> what do you consider Jewish food? Oh, well, because my background is, you know, more Eastern European, I would Mine too. Yeah, I would say, you know, the lox, the bagels, the smoked fish, the brisket, the yes, has um latkes, you know, not Chinese all, food? All that stuff. Not so it's Chinese. not Middle Eastern food. No, I mean I definitely feel like that comes mm-hmm. under the the rubric of Jewish Jewish food and that's actually the probably the yummier food is the more Sephardic you know, yeah, because I felt like the, the the Eastern European peasant food that we grew up eating was just really bludgeoned into submission before it got to <laughs> yes, us. Yes, you know, my grandmother was was a really good cook, so you know, like I grew up with good versions of that. Not but me. it can it cannot compare to you know shakshuka and hummus and you know all that yes. like delicious you know North African and and Israeli and you know. Middle True. Eastern food for sure, but that was like—I mean, we had that stuff, but that was not considered like our food. You know, we that never, was 
that was yeah. somebody else's food. But um, okay, so. Bridget, you can rejoin the conversation. <laughs> no, I was just saying. I was just thinking, kind of with a little bit of resentment, that when I first met you, you were eating a falafel, and I still have not had my falafel yet, and I really want one. And I know where we're going to go to get that okay. falafel. I would but... like to have it, but that's it. Anyway, the Chinese food comment was just because when I moved to New York, I had no idea that Jews went to Chinese food on New Year's Christmas. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was so hilarious, but it turned out it was like not just my friends; like everyone did that. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and no, you can sure. go to Kung Pao Kosher Comedy here in the city right. on Christmas. Oh, there you go. And everyone else does yeah. that, and that's it's been going on forever. Really, yeah, really, really fun. I lived near. Oh no, that was not. Never mind. Okay. Carry on. But so, so I grew up, um, you know, loving cookbooks. My dad used to subscribe back in the day. He used to subscribe to a restaurant uh, review, a, a newsletter by this guy Seymour Britchkey, who was very, <laughs> very droll. Really, Seymour Britchkey. Seymour Britchkey. He, you would, you would. Um, that's a guys and dolls name. Oh, yeah. oh completely. Totally. So this is in the seventies and eighties, and you know, it would come in the mail. It was a newsletter. It was a, you know, a proto blog, and that it was, but it yeah. was printed. Yeah. And he was really funny, really sharp. Didn't, um, you know. He, he'd say anything about anything, you know, he was, but he was a really smart guy who really kind of knew the New York social scene as well as the food scene. So, um, I thought he was brilliant because he really painted a picture. He didn't just say, mm-hmm. oh, the soup, it was delicious or oh, the soup was too salty. It was like, you kind of got this whole vibe of what was going Love on. Love that. That's my that. favorite thing about food writing. Yeah. And so I grew up reading him and Gail Green, who was a writer for mm-hmm. New York Magazine yeah. and, you know, everybody was writing for the Times. And so I kind of grew up very conscious of restaurants and and, and food of, writing and food writing that's amazing um, right yeah and then you know my first jobs in high school were all working in uh, catering places you know and like you know it was the 80s it was the silver palette era like all of a sudden which by the way those recipes are really good those recipes they hold up totally work the yeah. pesto and silver palette cookbook is yeah. fantastic um, and so, so all my, so like I, you know, my job at 15, 16 was, you know, making pasta primavera, making, you know, croissants, like doing all that kind of stuff. So then I, you know, went off to college and got a degree in English and moved out to San Francisco and realized my one skill was writing. And in fact, not cooking. Mm, I did some cooking, but I really wanted, <coughs> I ended up working as an intern for a magazine called Fad, which was a sort of groovy fashion art design magazine. And Fad, fashion art design. Fad, fashion there you go. There you go. Were you, were you at Princeton? You went to Princeton. Yes, I went to Princeton. Were you there yeah. when Joyce Carol Oates was there? <laughs> I was, but I did not do any uh, creative writing. Oh, okay. So you were like a lit major. I was, a, yeah, I was in English and theater, and the one regret of my life is that I did not take that amazing course with John McPhee because oh, he was I there. I know. <sighs> wow. I was intimidated, and I didn't. I know. And I was like, I that, would, that would have really informed what you ended like up doing, too. Huh? Now, yeah. I would be like with him, I'm sure, but um, <sighs> alas. You still could. There's still time. You never know. He, he's still he's, around. He's my he's hero. He's like 90, but you know. I know. Yeah, his know. his book, what's it called? Something number four. That's like one of the best books he last has, year. He, one of his, his, his amazing story of, uh, all about the green market. It's called Giving Good Weight. And oh, it's that the, is it's so good. the beginning oh of the green market system in mm-hmm. New York, and it's one of the best pieces of writing and especially of food writing. I completely agree. Is. Now, you mentioned you, you came out here and you worked for FAD. Mm-hmm. Was that why you came out here? No, no. Is this just, a New Yorker's dream that we always forget about? No, I just, um, I didn't, I didn't want to be in New York City. I felt like it was too close to home. You know, I, I had grown up oh. in New Jersey, I'd gone to Princeton, and I wanted to see the world. So I had never been west of Minneapolis, I guess, and packed my parents were like, but you don't have a job. What are you doing? I'm like, hi. Oh, this I love 1990. it. You could, you could do that at that time. You yeah. could because it was right after the earthquake. Mm-hmm. There was right. a recession, uh, you know. 
there weren't jobs and everything was messed up. It but was cheap. But life was cheap. <laughs> and yeah. that, so that's I, the upside. I moved into a apartment with three other friends from college. We lived on 17th and Church. It was fourteen hundred dollars a month for the four of us. So we each paid what three fifty. Oh month? my now, gosh, amazing! I'm not one of these guys, <coughs> but I do think there's something that has been lost when you took away that option for people to move Absolutely. here without jobs. Absolutely, to, move here without to just jobs. show up. Everyone I knew was, you know, you thought like, oh, I'd meet you and you'd be a filmmaker, right. you'd be a writer, right. and then right. then of course I'd run into you and your day job was being a bike messenger, right? But, or you temping, know, right? Or temping, or right. you know, whatever. But like, or stripping, or you, you know, know what? doing whatever you did. Manhattan like, was like that in the eighties yeah, too, actually. Absolutely. But everybody had like when you said, "How's your work?" Yeah, you didn't mean your job. You yeah, meant, right. How's your poetry? How's oh, that film you're so making? Good. How's so, the opera you're writing? Like, how's that? thing where you're naked on a swing and talking about and your, now, how, how you're oppressed you know like, it, was, like you know, it was it was all good it was all it was all of that and now and it's, how's it's that awesome. client facing software right exactly how's um, that app you know again so, i'm not yeah. that guy no we're but not that we're not yet. but i understand but that there's definitely something lost freedom because you could make literally make your rent in a weekend you know right everybody right. did different stuff so i remember you know. moving here from seattle in 1991 and going, how does anyone have time to do anything here? It's so expensive. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'd been paying $175 a month in rent. Yeah, when there was an apartment I had on Valencia <coughs> that was, I think, 480 a month or 425 a month, and it had gone through several iterations of people. My friend Phyllis, who was a photographer, right. and then my friend Susie Gerhardt, who worked <coughs> at the Guardian and was a Grotto member for a long time. Anyway, and finally I was like, okay, Susie, if you move out, you know, you have to tell me because... Uh, I'm, you know, I, I want first, it. I get first dibs. Yeah. And finally, when she was moving out, I was like, okay, I think I can afford it now. Like, I think I can get it together to be, So you good. Know. Um, but so I started writing for the, after I wrote for Fad for a while, and then I started writing for uh, The Bay Guardian. So you were, and you you were doing restaurant reviews? Uh, that was Food how, I, not at the time, like I started out doing mostly arts writing. Okay. All different stuff. So a and So doing, doing a, you know, arts entertainment stuff, and then, um... Did some, you know, food roundups for The Guardian, like where to take your mom for Mother's Day brunch, you know, that mm-hmm. all those kind of staples. Did you have any plans at that time to go in any other direction? Like, oh, I'm going to be a movie reviewer or a theater reviewer um, or music. I had, yeah, I had, I had really loved theater and I had a lot of a theater background. So I kind of thought maybe I'll work in theater, not as an actress, but just as like, mm-hmm. you know, something. Had like you maybe, been acting when you were younger? Uh, I had acted in high school and then I did mostly tech and sort of theater admin stuff when I was in college and then I studied, you know, plays and theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of thought I would do that. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like, it was not a great time to look for jobs in the arts in the early 90s yeah, because no everybody was just busted with, had no money. And so... Um, I thought, you know, I'd go work for the Magic or the Eureka or something like right. that. And, you know, I ended up uh, ended up writing because that seemed to be my actual only skill. Because that's where the money was. Because that was where the money was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait a second. What happened? And then it turned out The Guardian was, was short a restaurant critic. And then somebody so said, great. hey, why don't you do this? And I was like, you know, I actually know how to do this, weirdly enough. So, so um, the first time you did a restaurant review, what was that like? I went to an Ethiopian restaurant. I had called Asmara. It was around, and I don't think it's there anymore, but it was around in the East Bay forever. I'd never had Ethiopian food before. Well, that's fun. But I thought, I'm not going to be that person that goes, wow, this exotic cuisine. Yeah. I was like, there's a whole bunch of Ethiopian people here and in Ethiopia yeah. who eat this every day. This, right. is, this is food. Normal this food, is just yeah. breakfast. You know. So I, I didn't want to fall into that. I think, kind of small-minded trap mm-hmm. of other people's food, mm-hmm. you know? So I went and read, a, read went to the public library, read a bunch of books about Ethiopian food, and then went there. I was like, okay, I'm going to write 
like Gail Green or Seymour Bridgkin until I figure out my own voice. And, so, and you I had a sense of, of how you wanted to execute. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to give people, rather than saying, this is how the food is, I wanted to say, this is my experience. This is when you walk into this restaurant, here's what it's going to be like. And mm-hmm. then you can decide, that sounds great, that doesn't sound great, or I'm going to take my mom there, or I'm going to take my boyfriend there, or my girlfriend there. Like, also, what I really like about good food writing and good travel writing is... Maybe I will never go there, but I like to learn about Ethiopian yeah. food. I like to learn mm-hmm. about what I what is the thing people most like to order, or what are the two things you're supposed to have yeah. together. Or I like that kind of always. Thing. Like that was because I would watch people reading the Guardian on the bus. You know, oh, when fun. mostly they just turn to ask Isadora. But you know, sometimes right. I'd <laughs> see them. I'd see them or they before they, phones. You could right, see what people were reading. People reading. <gasps> they would be reading the horoscopes, or they would be reading uh, ask, ask Isadora. Isadora. But sometimes that they, was sex, guys. That was the sex call. Right. Oh, um, that's right. And so, but but sometimes you'd see them reading, and so I was always trying to balance, like, doing an informed review about the food, but then I also had to make it entertaining because mm-hmm. I always figured 90% of the people who read it were just going to yeah read it for fun yeah. and not read it to go actually go. I just felt like restaurant food criticism is an unusual thing. It's because a lot of it's real bad, you know? Oh, well, yes. It's like playing the bass. It's easy to do badly. Yes, and... <laughs> and, this, and a lot yeah. of people, I think, go into it thinking, I need to sound sophisticated. That's that's the worst kind of food writing. And it's a lot of adjectives, you know? And That's and, when people write about wine. It's so bad. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really bad... And I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to be that suburban writer that's like, well, my husband had the chicken, right. had the beef, and it was just great. It was um, sublime. It was Portions sublime. Were... Yeah, and so I... But then I also... There was also a... a, a in that kind of pre-bloggy, you know, about to be a blog writing voice, there were a lot of people who were just writing about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they'd get I remember to that the, too, yeah. They'd get to the Thanks, food. Thanks, Tom Wolf. <laughs> yeah, they'd get to the food kind of at the bottom. And mm-hmm. like um, uh, Dan, now Danny Leone, used to do that really, really well. Yeah, what was that called? Uh, cheap Eats. Cheap Eats, yeah. So the oh, Cheap yeah, Eats cheap column eats. was great, but she had a very, very distinct voice mm-hmm. and that you read it because you liked the Leon voice. Right. You know? and yeah. I like that too though. Which was myself. like if it's done and I love yeah. I always it's read done it, well, but yeah. it was great if it was but you you were like you read it because you wanted that story. You but I used to love where, reading but like where Dan Leon was going next. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But you know, and I was like, okay, that's not me. You know, I'm yeah. the other person on the other side of the page and I kind of have to not write about myself. Now at some point though, you start expanding to the Beyond that to the point, your interest starts expanding beyond that to the point of where you go back to school. Ah, yes. So I had, yeah, so I had, um, I had also worked in publishing. I worked at Chronicle Books, uh, doing cookbooks and stuff for them. And then I had, uh, I had moved to Italy for a little while and then I had moved to New York and I was working for Time Out and various other places in New York. You know, writing, again, still writing about food, but in Wait, New York, Do you have City Search on your resume? Yes, I worked City for City Search. Search. Yeah. Yes, I always say I got the last, <coughs> like, in the dot, first dot-com era, I got the last dot-com job in Man. San Francisco in, in right around, uh, you know, September of 2000. I have One. an AOL Digital City on mine. Wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah I was the I was like the city editor for for the Bay Area city editor for City Search and <laughs> wrote about you know food and stuff. So it was, but that actually stood me in really good stead when I then went to New York and you know wrote um, travel guides for Time Out. So why know. did you go back to New York? Uh, well, I was kind of, my then boyfriend was doing school was uh, doing a master's program in D.C. Mm. and so I thought, well, I don't really want to live in D.C. because what would I do in D.C.? So I'm like, oh, I'll just live in New York and. Again, a little peek behind the curtain. The people don't know that that's sometimes why people in the arts move. 
Right. Sometimes it's just for not any great, it's great, just, giant artistic sometimes, reasons. Do you sometimes remember, you just end up there. Do you remember Camper Van Beethoven? I yes, do. Yeah. We're both like, yes, Do you remember course. at one point David Lowry moved to Virginia? No. It was because his girlfriend was going to grad school. Oh, oh right. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's like that, yeah. Yeah. So, and I thought, oh, you know, perhaps my career. But as soon just... as you said uh, Washington and New York, I couldn't help but think of Nora Ephron's book, um, Heartburn. Heartburn, which is one of my favorite oh. all time books. Which is amazing. And has recipes yeah. and all these great stories about cooking. And that was the first time I ever was aware of food. Food. Right. It was like a thing. Thing. Right. Exactly. Beyond just eating. Mm-hmm. And so, so I lived in New York for a while. And then. I miss San Francisco terribly. You know, everyone mm. thinks, well, you're a writer. Well, you go to New York, and that's right. where your career really takes mm-hmm. off. I found myself, I and I thought I would New York would be familiar, and I would love it, and I was really lonely. And Did everyone would, seem aggressive and rude? Yes. Yes, everyone <laughs> seemed aggressive and rude. I had, you're close to your family. I, I'm close to my family, for better or worse. Yeah. And... Um, I had mellowed. I guess I yeah, me- you know, that's I was, what happens. You caught the fever. I was one of those people that, you know, you moved to California and everyone's like, you're from New York, right? Because, you know, you're yeah, 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 Come on, hurry up. And, yeah, and then I realized, wow, yeah. uh, 20 odd, you know, 15 yeah. odd years of San it changes, Francisco, yeah. I mellowed and I didn't have that, that edge Edgy, anymore. I felt yeah. like my skin was being sandpapered off all the time. And um, so I, I, people would talk, you know, because of course I was living in Brooklyn and so there's the hyperlink between the mission and, and Brooklyn. Mm. So people, you know, you'd be at a, you'd be at a party and somebody never would, thought be, of that, yeah. would be talking about, yeah. um, you know, mission burritos or something. And I would go up and I'd stand too close to them and I would just, <laughs> you're my lifeline. I would talk too much. <laughs> and then I'd go home and be like, God, I gotta stop doing that. Yeah. I should just go back to the mission. Finally, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to... Also, there were terrible burritos in, in New York at that time. At the time, there was just oh my God. the worst yeah. Mexican Horrible. food ever. And, the, you know, the, you'd order guacamole and you'd get a table I remember. $9. I once got in an argument with a guy in a store who tried to tell me that pita bread was the same as tortillas. And I was like, it's not. And he was, you know, in that New York way, like insisting and yelling at me. And I was like, I'm not buying this. It is not a tortilla. At any rate, carry on. I did that with someone, though, in, in San Francisco about a spinach parmesan bagel. I was like, that is not a bagel. Right. Yeah. So My mother took ways. that to her Except grave. that's a bad version of a bagel. It's an abomination of bagelhood. But a pita and a tortilla have nothing to do with each other. Except common. the color, maybe. I don't know. Yeast. No, not yes. yeast. No, not no, yeast. no. Tortillas Beigeness. Yeah. Well, a pita is closer to non bread than it is to a tortilla. Right. It's absurd. Yeah. At any that's rate. Wrong. You needed to go back to the mission, clearly. So I wanted to get back to California, and the way I did it was to apply to this uh, program at UC Santa Cruz, um, oh. which is called the Center for Agroecology and Sustainable Food Systems. They do a really amazing um, internship program where you live there. You and I, uh, I got in. I guess mostly it's twenty-four-year-old outdoor educators, and you know people worked mm-hmm. on farms. Like ah, throw that thirty-nine-year-old like <laughs> the old lady writer from Brooklyn. Let's <laughs> throw her in for them. You know, I was diversity. <laughs> and, uh, and what did you think you would do with that? <clears throat> I just felt like I don't care about making these, you know, two hundred dollar tasting mm-hmm. menus and what mm-hmm. fancy, you know, what fancy person is eating it and yeah. you know, blah blah blah. I was like, let's just go back to how do you grow that lettuce? You know, how do you grow mm-hmm. that avocado? I just kind of wanted to And that was very timely. Yes, it was. I, I didn't realize it at yeah. the time. Yeah, so how long ago was that? This was in two thousand seven. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that was really a lot of leading edge. Yeah. Was happening right then. Good for you. Look at you. And the funny part was the part of it was um, to keep the cost down. You could live on a tent on the farm. Oh Lord! And which everybody did. Which makes you a very special kind of New York Jew, by I the know. way. 
So <laughs> the I less my, than one percent. Not the only one. <laughs> I left my one. My mother was like, "Oh, that's great. You can live in a dorm." And there was a long pause on my part because I thought I, I could lie. Even now, I'm like having a little could, freak out. I could lie. I was like, "She's not going to come see me." Like, I yeah, I could say sure. And I was like, "Dormish? No, I'm going to be living Def- in." Define dorm. Everyone's gonna. Everyone's and my parents have dealt with a lot for me, so they were like, oh, okay. like it's like their worst West Coast. Leach is not a lean yeah. to. Right. I don't know. I think I would have loved to have heard the conversations that happened among. Oh my yeah, your relatives and, and, and oh, my yeah. relatives. Yeah. I do think though, as a parent though, exactly. It's a sad story because your parents got you back for a while and then you left again. They knew I was. They left. When I call my mom to tell her, she's like, "You're moving. You're moving back to California, aren't you?" I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah. So I, I got a big tent and I moved from my nice one bedroom in Brooklyn to a tent, tent. in Santa Cruz, which, you know, it was like a row of tents. I mean, yeah. this was what everybody it was, was a tent doing. city. It was a tent, it was a tent city. city. Like, we had a showers and bathrooms and stuff. That's what people were doing. There was a lot of hand drumming. So oh, that was see, I don't hard like that. to get used to. No. That, I think I was probably that. less fun to be around than. Was there a hacky know, sack? Yeah, there was hacky sack and there was no. there was home brewing no. and there was uh, there was a lot of hand drumming. You know, that was a little bit hard to get used to I can with see that. the was the communal life thing. That would yeah. be tough, yeah. But yeah. um but you know, you learn to roll with it and I probably irritated other people more than Good. Yeah. I'm actually <laughs> glad to hear that. <laughs> but, um, but it was awesome. So I learned all about organic farming. It was six months, uh, cool. April to October, and everything you wanted to know about uh, organic food farming. It is farming. pretty fun. It's an amazing program. And how have you taken that and moved it forward in your writing since? Well, it really, I found it really helped my food writing. It mm-hmm. informed it a lot more, and I got much more interested in sort of sustainable ag and things like mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. sort of how how the farming thing happens as opposed to just you know, how the high-end food thing happens, right. and, which was actually really good because at the time, um, being a restaurant critic was becoming less and less paid and, mm. and, and important. Thanks, like yeah. everything. Because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, when I left, like, you know, I had become the restaurant critic for San Francisco Magazine um, in the mid in the early 2000s. And so, you know, that was a great gig. And, you know, yeah. there was that. There was writing for the Chronicle. There was, you know, there was, like, places that you would be a right. professional critic. And by the time I came back, like, poof, you know, a lot of that had disappeared. It's democratized. And Yelp happened. Yeah. And, you know, blogs happened. And, and all of that happened. So um, had I just stayed, like, I am a professional restaurant critic, like, that job actually kind Could of have narrowed was, to nothing. was yeah. narrowing a little bit to, to nothing. Now, yeah. I have the list of all your books in here, but I don't have the dates. Mm-hmm. So if you could put them into context, when did you start producing books? Ah, so the first book that I did, they sort of came out at the same time. One was a uh, wedding book called The Anti-Bride oh, Guide, yeah. um, which was really, really fun. It was, at the time, there were just sort of these giant Martha Stewart. necessary. Yeah, there were these giant Martha Stewart tomes, so all about, mm-hmm. you know, super formal weddings. And uh, a friend of mine did a very, who was an artist, did a very fun kind of groovy wedding and then said, hey, how come there's no books about this? Um, so I, I co-wrote that with her, which was really fun. Was that before or after Santa Cruz? This was before. So that okay. was maybe 19, about 2000. Okay, okay. And then uh, then I did a book about honey, which was called uh, honey, honey from Flower to Table. So it was honey. It was all about raising bees, you know, what, how to cook with honey, how to make crafts out of beeswax and things like that. And was that yeah, after Santa right Cruz? Now. No, that was before. That oh. was in 2001, I think. Yeah, you need to reissue that because yeah. right now that's happening. It's a, it, was a really, it was a really beautiful, and it was a Chronicle book, so, you know, it was gorgeous, and it was really fun to research. We love Chronicle. Yes, we certainly do. And then... Um, Gosh, then I did a kid's book for William-Sonoma called Fun oh, Food. Oh, right. I've read that. That was a really, which a lot of my friends who don't cook are like, can you put 
a grown-up cover on this and reissue it as like a <laughs> first department cookbook or something because a lot of my friends actually like cook from it. it because yeah. it's really straightforward and it was actually fun to do because I had to think, how would I cut a carrot if I'd never cut a carrot before? And, you know, it made you think. I needed a cookbook like that when I learned mm-hmm. to cook. I would say things like onion, and I would freak out. Right, because like, I'd go to the like store, it, but also there would kinds. be like all yeah. these different kinds mm-hmm. of onions. It was really full stressful. Disc- full disclosure: I just learned how to cook. I know, but two you're years ago, at it. I'm working. But I had a friend who said like she came up on a recipe for muffins to call for cake flour. She was befuddled by this. Here's what you can do: that cake mix. Here's oh, what yeah. you can do. So made a very sweet muffin. Ugh. What you can do is Google everything now, or we so you see YouTube videos of how to chop, how to chop an onion. Right. You are risking this, of course, if you happen to live with a tactless woman, which I do. Yes. That you will be ridiculed for using Google in this manner. But to look up can, chopping an onion? Eventually you learn not to say. That you're doing that? that? you found it I out. I had to Google what My is a saucepan. My son pan. made, who is 20. I taught myself to knit from YouTube. Oh, wow. It's amazing. But he, that's the world he lives yeah. in, in his brain, right, whatever. Sure. So um, I have my whole life made poached eggs. It's one of the only things I know how to do mm-hmm. or knew how to do before I learned how to cook in middle age. And he made poached eggs for lunch that were fantastic. And he had this whole weird method that he had learned online. Probably from Serious Eats or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Kenji, Kenji has crazy. a lot of fans. It was amazing how right. delicious and perfect and adorable and simple it was. Mm-hmm. But, but I would never have known. Well, but learning to cook on my own before the internet was very hard, actually. I was lucky to have grown up with you know, a stay-at-home mom who was a great cook. It was in the culture. My, my mom was, was sort of standard. an incredible cook, but she did all the all cooking. The cooking, right, and you were not welcome. Um, I might have been, but I didn't want – I was afraid if I learned to cook, I would get sucked into this <laughs> because I have many, many brothers sure. and many siblings. And you would become – I would be yeah. – so I refused to learn anything, and then I had a child and was like, oh, my God, I've got to make some food. food. This child. And yeah. it was – it was overwhelming, but um, now I really love to cook. I, really I didn't want to learn how to type because I said, my mother's like, you have to take a See? typing class. And I, of course, you know, young feminist in the 70s was like, I'm not going to be somebody's secretary. But, of course, my entire career has been Best predicated on class learning, I know, ever knowing too. how to type. Eighth grade typing. Same. Yeah. Typing and speech were the two best classes I took in high school. And, actually, I was always afraid of being around food. I was afraid of being a service person in a restaurant. Yeah. And I d- made all of my money in my young adult years as a typist, secretary mm-hmm. or before mm-hmm. scanners. Right. My, yeah. first, my first newspaper job was typing the letters to the editor. Nice. Let's bring you up to the present. Um, and I do, I still don't, okay, I'll just do it now. Tell me about how you found the illustrator for the new book. I had nothing to do with that. Um, oh. Luckily, uh, so so that's Courtney it. Jensen. She, Courtney, Courtney Jensen, who did a great job, and one of my favorite uh, pictures in here is of the 16th Avenue steps. Oh um, yeah, which it's great. Is one of those awesome things that people people who live here know about. Right, it's like um, Sutro Tower. But but it's not something the tourists really know about. And if people haven't been out there, it's out in the avenues, and it are the, it's a beautiful mosaic on these steps, and it's absolutely gorgeous. That is a beautiful picture, and it's really great. And I love that she put that in along with pictures of you know Quint Golden Tower Bridge, and, Golden yeah. Bridge yeah. and all of that. Did like she put some really fun things in here. Do too. you know who Don Kingman is or was? No. He was a watercolor artist who did these little watercolors of San Francisco, and I don't know if she knows that she's influenced by him. him. Yeah. But that's what those remind me of. But uh, my friend uh, Leslie Jonath, who was the sort of overall project manager and project editor on this, and she found uh, Courtney, and I think Courtney just did a fantastic job. And they're fa- they're, they're really so good. sweet they're and great. really, they're really, really, nice really, really good. Really, really fun. <clears throat> and aside from this book, then, since, since uh, you, one can't be a restaurant critic full-time anymore, 
what do you, how do you supplement? What else do you do? I, we, in our intro, we mentioned that you seem to have a specific eye and a specific aesthetic. Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. take that and turn it into a career? You know, you find people who like your voice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I am really willing to write about, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I laugh that I have an 800-word button in my brain and that, you know, I have written it a lot. out after 800 yes. words. Well, that I can, I can, can, like, hit it. I can hit 800 words because that was my <coughs> restaurant. My restaurant reviews mm-hmm. were always 800 words. And so I did that every week for four years and then, you know. Oh, yeah. Other times. You've got so the rhythm. You definitely can, you know, whether it's 200 words, it's 800 words. You get something where you're mm-hmm. like, you know how to do that and you mm-hmm. can kind of do it on anything. Um, I think coming up in print journalism was really important because it taught me that uh, you can't change it afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it has, to be, yeah. it right. has to be right and you have to check things and that you are responsible for what you write, you know, as opposed to say if you're always writing online and you're just sort of spouting your opinion. I mean, I had to have, even though I was writing something subjective, I was writing reviews, I had to be able to stand behind them. And if I said that this raspberries were moldy, I had to be absolutely clear in saying, yes, like I was there, they were moldy, whatever. Or, you know, I had to be able to have the menu in front of me. I had to check the way the chef spelled his or her name. Like, you know, you had to do all of that. And your editors back when we all had copy editors, like you had to, you had, your editor would have your back, but they also needed to trust that you were going to be honest and you were going to know what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that definitely informed my work and that I wasn't just, it wasn't, my opinion was less important than getting Mm -hmm. the facts right. And what are you writing right now? Uh, I'm working on a couple of other book ideas. Um, uh, one, hopefully, maybe about pie, because I've always wanted to write Aww, about pie. I love, about pie. I love cooking pie. Um, so I actually am um, working on a, a, an idea for a pie book and um, a few other a few other different book ideas that are all kind of percolating in my head so right now. So fun. And when you get freelance work, what is it? Uh, you know, it's a little bit of, of all different things. Um, sometimes it's, you know, marketing type work. You know, I've written for different, different small companies, um, helping promote them, because it's often the same kind of it's telling their stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interviewing the somebody who's own you know owns a small bread company or a small cheese company, or mm-hmm. you know they're doing something interesting and kind of getting their backstory and making it into a narrative, which is more or less the same thing that I would do. You know, editorial writing. Um, you know, I've done some writing for wine companies, and that's often the same thing of sort of painting a picture of what is it like during harvest, or what's you know what's Huge. happening, what does it take to when they're blending, when what happens. So it's all just sort of bringing something to life for people and and mm-hmm. kind of shining a little light on yeah what you can apply that doing. to anything yeah you can kind of you know and i've done a lot of work for kqd uh for their barrier bites mm-hmm. uh, which is their online food blog um and that was a lot of talking to uh you know everything from farmers to restaurateurs to you know people making pickles or snowballs or you know whatever like about <laughs> what they do and living out in petaluma and this may be a little inside baseball for people who aren't in the bay area but how does that impact your professional life on the one hand, you're not here. Yeah, right. On the other hand, though, if you are writing about the Bay Area, you're out there and you know, especially and wine. And yeah. Especially, it is an amazing place for food. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Getting so a, a, a better restaurant culture is kind of improving mm-hmm. as we speak. And then there's so many um, makers out there. So there's yes. so many people making amazing bread, making amazing cheese, cheese the oh. oysters, the, you know, the wine, the, you know... You could sort of, we often laugh that if you drew a cordon around Napa, you know, you'd starve because every 
the, the land is so right. expensive that it doesn't make any sense to do anything but grow Cabernet on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sonoma, luckily, is still diverse enough right. that it has, it has a lot of small farms. It has, you know, people, you know, raising sheep. Mm-hmm. It has people raising cows. It has people, you know, you can eat all kinds of delicious things there. And so You really see everything in Sonoma County. You see County. everything in Sonoma yeah. County. Yeah. It has the coast. It has inland. Right. It has a real diversity of landscapes and of people making things. For those who don't live in the Bay Area, it's shocking how close farms are yes, to San like, Francisco. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, an hour plus to drive to Petaluma, maybe an hour and a half on the bus. And then once you're in Petaluma, you know, I'm right in downtown Petaluma, which just, oh, you know, nice. has a lot of stuff yeah. going on. I just have to say, I think of Petaluma as 45 minutes from oh, okay. San Francisco. No, That's how close. No traffic, yeah. 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 no traffic, yeah. yeah. 45 yeah. minutes. Um, and But then literally 10 minutes, you mm-hmm. were out in green mm-hmm. rolling hills yep. and cows and, yep. you know, all kinds of... Lots of sheep. Lots of sheep. Just tell Siri no highways and boom, right. you'll and see it all. It's just it's really really great. So there's a lot out there that's really beautiful. And my husband's always pointing out like that's where we get our grapes for that. Oh, you know, oh and really? And that's, that's where that's that nice. is, and you know all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of get into the country really fast. It's a great place to ride bikes because mm-hmm. you can stop and have such amazing food at just the <laughs> most random place. Place, right? You're like, oh look, there's oh this look, here's an amazing, yeah. yeah, exactly, or right. pocket or the, pie you know, the, or whatever, yeah, or the so you know, wildflower bread, and, yep. you know, all that. And yes, exactly. Great <sighs> wine places. And there's just all that right there, and we learn to take it so for granted. Nice. But yeah. man. Don't, it is so don't ever no. take it for granted. And what about no. the flip side, not being here professionally? Oh, I don't get to go to all the fun readings that everybody does. Yeah. And especially, you know, being connected with the grotto. Like, everyone has always got a new book out there's and they're doing a on, reading yeah. and they're doing a dance performance and they're, you know, you know, they're doing film, something yeah. awesome yeah. or their film or their dance or whatever. And so I, I'm sorry that like on a Tuesday night, I can't just nip down to city lights and hear right. somebody do their amazing totally work mm-hmm. because yeah. that's one of my favorite parts about living in San Francisco was the wealth. <clears> have you found arts. any kind that's of an true. artistic community up there? Yes. You know, we've only been in Petaluma a month. Oh, okay. Um, we were living north of Santa Rosa before that. Um, so there actually is a lot more going on in Petaluma than there was elsewhere. And, um, in fact, I just went to a wonderful reading at the Petaluma Arts Center, um, which is in a converted rail kind of a Petaluma's railroad nice. station. Um, and actually I heard um, it was uh, organized by um, Zizaba, a bunch of uh, writers um, who had oh, written for I, Zizaba. That's right. I just heard about this. That yeah. happened. And that was, you know, two blocks from our house. So that was actually great to just walk on down and see Mary Ladd and see Oscar and see all these amazing... I think Vanessa was there. Yeah. Yeah. And Vanessa... Oh, right. Uh, right. I Vanessa remember hearing Red, about that. So, you know, they're actually... So we, we try to get you all to come up. <laughs> so there's this thing in Petaluma. I always wonder what it is. You go past the Whole Foods on the main street. This is so inside baseball. So Sorry, inside Larry. baseball. Um, and there are these giant sculptures of, like, yeah, animals. Yeah, those freaky sculptures. What are they? I don't know. I love them. I don't know, but you know, they have a thing called the Block, which is which is a, a food truck place uh-huh. behind it that's on yeah. the weekends. So we walk there to oh, go you know, get those. a beer and pizza, um, and then we we were like, oh, look at those trippy trippy yeah. sculptures. They look very like Burning Man. I, I know know. exactly. I okay. figured they were Burning Man. We have to stop talking okay, about Petaluma because we're going to ruin it because everyone's going to go, hey, that sounds cool. I'm going to go check it out, and we okay. are out of time. Okay, both things are okay. Before we go, Stephanie, tell us uh, website, Twitter, all that stuff, so people can get a hold of you if you want to. If you want, unless you're afraid people will find you. I haven't, I haven't 
finished my website. Oh, and all that. oh okay, website's not done. Tell you, no, yeah, just we'll give us Twitter that. and... Uh, uh, can I give you two later? Yeah, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. We'll put it in okay. the notes. Right. The notes. Just give us Twitter and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but really, people need to find your book, A Little Taste of San Francisco, Recipes for Classic Dishes. That's what they need to find, which they can find at Absolutely. the local bookseller. Absolutely, you can find it any of their local booksellers. Uh, definitely Omnivore Books, which is a wonderful cookbook-only mm, yeah. uh, store that is fantastic. And she's uh, Celia Sachs, who owns oh, it, does an amazing them. job promoting local writers. So yep. go, go buy it there. I'll be there on August 3rd. Oh, Make, perfect. And dumplings are doing something. So. Oh, I will see you there. August 3rd. This will be out before then. All right. Yeah. August 3rd, everyone who is in the Bay Area, come to San Francisco, 3 p.m., Omnivore Books for Dumplings mm. and Stephanie. You're so lucky. BQ. Okay. Um, I would like to thank our producers, Lori Ann Doyle, Beth Weingarner, and Lee Kravitz, and also thank Sugartown for the awesome tunes. Thank you, SF Public Library, who oh, we are in yeah. partnership. Our next event is July 24th which will be my favorite book with Matthew Zapruder. Oh, my God. It's going to be so good. Thank you, Babylon Salon. Also, our partners. Yes. Uh, You can find The Grotto Pod at The Grotto Pod on Twitter. Nowhere on Instagram. You can email us, though. You need to do that, really. GrottoPod at gmail.com. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna promote myself or Please. you. Let's just okay. get out of here. Let's just get out of here. Time. You All know right. what, you guys? Read, write, and just keep working and enjoy yourselves while you're doing it. And eat good food and drink Pisco Punch because you can. It's pretty do that. good. Especially Absolutely. if you get Stephanie to make it. I know. Fun. Have Stephanie make it for you. Yeah.